0: we should be able to hear the magnetic resonance field.
1: This is it, ladies and gentlemen. The edge of time and space, where the impossible can happen. Welcome to the Event Horizon. Good morning, or afternoon, or evening. Whatever is relevant for the part of the world you are in. Indeed, welcome to The Event Horizon, where the impossible happens. Join us each week at this time for our journey into science fiction, fantasy, and science fact in all their forms. I'm your host, Gene Turnbow. With me is my co-host, Susan Fox. Hola! And here with us for episode 69 of The Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio and and, uh, we do like to keep track of those numbers, and I think we've got it right this time, is Joe Pierce of the Wormkeep Entertainment Company. Welcome to the show. I'm sorry. (laughs) Go out, come in again. And with us on episode 69 of the Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio is Joe Pierce, president of the Wormkeep Entertainment Company game company located here in Burbank, California Welcome to the show, Joe Oh, thanks, Gene And uh, your project is a computer game called Inherit the Earth And there's a subtitle to it, which I can't remember off the top of my head
0: Inherit the Earth, Sand and Shadows Is a video game sequel to the original Inherit the Earth, Quest for the Orb
1: yeah, Thank you, Susan Always ready with the show notes Yep She's my spare brain
0: I have the brain cell this week.
1: <laughs> so tell us a little bit about this project and uh, how it started and, uh, and where you're at now with, with your new project.
2: Sure. Well, Inherit the Earth, Quest for the Orb, the original game, was re- released in 1994 by a company I co-owned called the dream- the Dreamers Guild.
1: I remember, I remember it
2: well.
0: Oh my god, you, you mean I'd have to pay union dues to dream at night? I'm in trouble.
2: <laughs> now that was free. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> and published by New World Computing.
1: Oh, New World published that. I thought that was. Uh, I thought the. No, that's right. Dreamers Guild was a developer, and uh, and they relied on other publishers to get their stuff out.
2: Exactly. And it was distributed by Electronic Arts.
1: And what kind? Of, what kind of a game was it at the time? I'm, was it a, It
2: was a graphical adventure game. Uh huh. Which is there are games that might uh, your listeners might know, such as Monkey Island, or King's Quest, or um, Sam and Max. Mm-hmm. These were all either originally video games or adaptions of other media into video, into uh, adventure games.
1: And how well did it do at the time?
2: It did okay. Uh huh. Um, there's a long story about the. Uh, about the marketing issues but it had popularity among particular groups of uh, areas of the genre so when the company went out of business a few years later I purchased the rights to it
1: oh i see okay cuz i was there uh i was at the dreamer's guild working with you uh yeah, close I was
2: to boss's yeah. boss
1: i guess i think um no i think i think i was directly under you as Which, i remember it
2: project was that
1: yeah and uh, as I remember it, uh, the whole uh, the whole thing sort of went south because of uh, we booked hundred and forty percent of the shop's actual working capacity and couldn't deliver. And, uh, and
2: that, the whole- that's the short version, yes.
0: So <laughs> well, it's better than the computer game version of the producers, where you sell you know five hundred percent of uh, what you
1: actually can do. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was th- those were hard times, but I'm glad you got the rights to uh, to inherit the earth. So now, fast forward to 15 years later, 20 years later.
2: 20 years.
0: Just
1: oh, my the
2: 20 gosh. Years.
0: How did that happen?
1: My God, we, we, we all grew up. <laughs> so, uh, are you uh, are you updating? Have you updated the engine uh, for the new no, modern um, age? Or uh, is it still? I'm rewriting it. You're rewriting the engine. Yes. So it's but it's still primarily a graphical adventure game in the old grand tradition.
2: It's basically a story and puzzle based game. Mm-hmm. And so you're controlling the actions of the protagonist or protagonist in the game. And then and you're deciding what actions they perform. And in that case what they do is usually talk to other characters in the game, find out interesting information, use that to solve puzzles mm-hmm. and reach some goal. In the game
1: to to win, well, those and most
2: adventure popular. games actually you can win. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Well, those are uh-huh. those games are still popular. There's uh, Leisure Suit Larry has been rebooted I think three times now. <laughs> Leisure
2: Suit Larry. Leisure well, Suit Larry. I, it's definitely been rebooted I think. One, of the original game was rebooted recently. That's correct.
1: Yeah, and, and it's been redone by fans and upresed. Okay, that's true. Yes, you know, and they've they've made it so that uh, it doesn't hurt the eyes to look at it anymore. You know, even though the game is twenty years old, very very popular game format. I mean, uh, Lucas
2: recently.
1: Lucas Arts uh, did uh, did one that was absolutely astounding for for its day called Loom, and that was absolutely enchanting. And then Monkey Island came along, and that was Sierra Online, I think. And uh, there were a number of others, and I was a big fan of the the genre at the time. And uh, I was thrilled to death to find myself uh, working on adventure games at Dreamers Guild. We did. Uh, uh, we worked on one called uh, Dinotopia, as I remember. And
0: yep. You know, Ooh, you guys did Dinotopia. That was cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah that you guys was, are cool. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> we knew.
0: Yeah so, so, the new project is gonna look even better, and of course, my name being susan fox i I have the the sympathy with the furry at all times, so my my furry friends want me to adopt them just for the name, except for the cats, and they still call me auntie that was a shout out to certain people yeah. <laughs> anyway so so the so riff the fox and and his friends are gonna look even better
1: now, yes. So what's the, what's the premise of the new game? How's, well, how's the story set up?
2: It's set up as, it's partially based upon a cliffhanger, or not cliffhanger, a uh, sequel hook, let's call it, in the original game. Where in the original game, the quest for the orb is there, in fact, is a quest to find this orb that's been stolen. Mm-hmm. What happens is that they actually find the actual person who stole it, because initially Rift is... Because of circumstance, is accused of stealing the orb.
0: You know, the fox always gets accused.
2: That that's correct. It's and also, a he thing. was a, he was not from the area where the orb was taken from, so he was just an uh, no, he's a stranger. Nobody you no know, thought that you know he's the likely culprit since everybody else knew everybody else in the situation.
0: So it's uh, racial profiling. I, this yes. is all a metaphor for for life. Yes,
2: game has a lot of cases of where a lot a lot of the the game is uh, composed... The characters in the game are all anthropomorphic animal characters, or humanoid anthropomorphic animal characters. And as such, and they're organized in tribes, where a tribe is basically one species of animal. And they do tend to have stereotypes based upon common stereotypes that we have about animals. And part of the uh, plot of Inherit the Earth is to break those stereotypes. So riff. Um, does actually succeed in finding the actual culprit, but unfortunately he's unable to actually get the orb back, and it's believed that the orb has actually been destroyed. Uh Uh, So, the sequel is that he finds out that the orb may have survived, and that he's now going to um, attempt to recover it, and partially to deal with the effects of uh, not having the orb around. The orb was used to allow the uh, characters in the game, who are called morphs, to actually predict the weather. And the loss of the orb, everybody thought it would be fine. They could actually, you know, use old records to learn how to, you know, predict the weather themselves and such. But unfortunately, the weather has become highly unpredictable for some reason. And in addition, there's a big drought uh, forming in the north area of the island and across the uh, channel to the what's called the North Island. Um, and so, he feels that, you know, the orb may have something to do with this if it survived, and so maybe getting it back is actually important.
0: I guess we need an orb now in this uh, life of, of uh, climate change, don't we? <laughs> or they need uh, satellite photos, one or the other.
2: Yeah, the morph, morphs basically have kind of leftover technology from humans. I guess I should mention this. So, in this, this is set on Earth at, uh, after a post-apocalyptic event which apparently wiped out humanity. And the Morpher actually effectively uplifted animals.
0: The meek shall inherit the earth.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: And a disaster of biblical proportions. Dogs and cats living together. No, wait, wait, Wait. wait, that's another movie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, in this, dogs and cats do live together.
2: They they, they actually they kind of, one thing about Riff's, uh, one thing that he's done in, um, oh, I should mention, so there's a webcomic that's a partial sequel to the game, first game.
0: Mm-hmm. And in
2: that, Riff's, you know, trying to help, you know, get the different tribes to work together. Because they generally would kind of stay separate and only get together to, to do trading and, and like a, a yearly fair. Um, and so p- part of his kind of motivation in doing things is also to try to, you know, strengthen the bonds between the tribes.
0: Um, well, that's good, because you'd think that, you know, the the dog people and the cat people would get along like cats and dogs, and the mice people would be worried about getting eaten.
2: Well, yeah, unfortunately, the dogs have a kind of a crazy ruler. Um, he's, his, his name is Prince, which is not his title. It's just his name. Um, here, Prince. Here, Prince. <laughs> it's a kind, of, a kind of a continuous joke in the game. Okay. So, unfortunately, eat. But unfortunately for everybody else, the dog tribe controls a major route to get from the southern part of the island to the northern part.
1: So they have to deal with the dog tribe, they whether they like yeah. it or not. That's, and, that's um, interesting.
2: Yeah. and, and One of the major plot points to start out in the new game is that because Riff is now kind of persona non grata to the dog tribe, that he can't actually use that route, which he was able to use kind of, before, to get to the northern part of the island, you have to find some alternate route. So that's part of the initial puzzle solving, is to just figure out how to quickly get to the northern part of the island.
1: So there's a webcomic component to this as well. Now, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, when I first acquired the rights to the game, I, didn't, I wasn't immediately able to work on a sequel to it. And initially all I was doing when I acquired the rights was to republish the games, so they would be playable on modern computers, which is a common problem where you have very old games that basically can be not, not playable because no modern computer could play them. Mm-hmm. I hate so when that is. that with a couple of other games also.
1: <clears throat> yeah, you. Uh, I've run into this problem myself. I wrote uh, uh, in 1980, I wrote the first version of Computer Star Trek for the Radio Shack Color Computer. And, uh, yeah,
0: go find one of those now.
1: <laughs> well, I still have mine, but it's, uh, you know... Uh, you
0: and a few other antique dealers,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, if I wanted to run the emulator for it, I could run it on DOSBox on my phone and then run the uh, the color computer emulator on the DOSBox and it would still be too fast to play the game.
0: <laughs> I find that <laughs> hilarious, to be honest. <laughs>
2: So that's the other, of course, was in mm-hmm. updating the game to play on like Windows and Mac and Linux. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's also an iPhone version now, although that's published by someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, was to you know make sure it runs properly and has the right speed and mm-hmm. and, and whatnot. Um,
1: uh, Allison Hershey is uh, is drawing the web comic, isn't she? She she drew the
2: first story we we uh finished that one up a few years ago then another artist took over to do this, the second story which the is also complete to... and now we're just doing a number of short vignettes instead of uh-huh getting into a new uh, who,
1: what's what's book. the name of the new artist
2: new artist is uh her she actually used her fan name for this so it's falkerne
1: say that again
2: uh Fal-Kernese, so f a l k u r n e e z e
1: Oh, Falcornese. Okay, yeah. as in Falcor, the the dragon from Neverending Story.
0: Yeah.
2: Maybe, but I I I neither confirm or deny that.
1: Okay. Um, yeah i I remember uh, I remember seeing Inherit the Earth as a webcomic when Allison was still drawing it, uh, and Allison Hershey was uh, uh, she was art director, if I'm remembering this right. She she was uh, the, at Dreamers Guild,
2: she was an art director. Yes, she I was very happy I could get her to do the the first story.
1: So, how many people are currently working on the project, uh, the the new game?
2: It's a fairly small number. Um, it's it's not that complicated a game.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, it's just, uh huh. So I'm basically the designer and the programmer, mm-hmm. and, and I have two artists. One is going to be doing primarily background art, and one is be doing primarily animation.
1: Great. And do you have uh, do you have a dedicated writer, as or, or is the writer yourself?
2: We're we're actually uh, finding writers actually been kind of hard. Um, obviously, I can fall back to myself or um, uh, a couple other people, um, but I'm still looking. I'm still talking to a few people about doing the writing, only just to mm-hmm. reduce my workload. Mm-hmm. I co-wrote the first web comic. Uh-huh. And I wrote wrote the second web comic. So um, kind of. So but writing is not my,
1: my primary. primary. Well, I happen to yeah. know a guy. Uh Neil Halford in San Diego. <gasps> yes. He would be, oh, he, would be he would be brilliant for this. He's written probably two dozen uh two dozen games. He wrote a lot of stuff for New World Computing. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It it's it's a it's a really small world when uh, when we come up with the same idea that you've <laughs> Yeah.
0: I know a guy who knows a guy.
1: I know a guy who knows... Yeah, and it turns out there are only 60 people on the damn planet.
0: The rest are non-player characters.
1: The last time I looked at Inherit the Earth, Alison Hershey was drawing it. And uh, I found the the artwork rather charming. You know, it was in, in sort of a, a Beatrix Potter sort of way.
0: They were cute, but everybody likes anthropomorphic animals ever since, you know... Um, Oh, Donald Duck! <laughs> you know it's it's uh-huh. a crazy cat. It's 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 a it's a meme we've all grown up with, and and medieval. Well, I don't know gummy bears.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think more in this case, um, Redwall. Yes, it's yes. a lot closer yeah. to Redwall than than gummy bears. That's true,
2: and we also chose the time to do a game based on anthropic animals, kind of in the same reason that. To do, uh, for doing science fiction stories, is that you can talk about events about society mm-hmm. without you know, freaking people out too much. Sometimes. Yeah, you
1: can make it an allegory and uh, yeah. get a lot closer to the heart of the matter without raising the hackles on the backs of people's necks.
2: And then technically, you know, if, you, if one wanted to say what Inherit the Earth is, it's basically somewhere between I guess science fantasy is probably the closest thing mm-hmm. because some of the technology seems a, might seem a little almost magical, but then you know. Uh, and any law, sufficiently
0: law. advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Clark's third law.
1: Um, you were going to say something else about Allison. I, I was going to mention. Actually, I was. I was going to mention mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, we have one of her lithographs hanging in our house, and we're it's. Uh, I've always admired her work, and uh, I've always found uh, uh, found it to be quite delightful.
2: So she's actually would be our, she's kind of our fourth person involved, uh-huh. uh, in okay. the sense that she has, did some some of this early, very early design for the sequel, and in addition, some of the characters that she created for the webcomic will actually appear in the game.
1: Oh, great. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. And
2: so she may actually offer some advice in in uh, doing the dialogue for those characters.
0: Well, she knows them better than most. (laughs) So, so you have a Kickstarter, right? At the time of this writing, there are 19 days left. uh, Less by the time people hear this. What what is your goal? Where are you at? Tell us. Tell us about the Kickstarter project.
2: Our goal is Mm 160,000, which is about. You know, which is actually hard to say whether it's low or high for this type of game. I mean, we were trying to do a professional game. You know, we want, tend to hire professional voice actors, and um, you know, using you know professional artists. You know, both of these are both the artists have done you know professional work.
0: Mm-hmm. One
2: one one longer than the other, but um, so where we're it's building slowly. Um, hope, you know, we still have additional promotional things that are planned in the next week or so. And hope we'll um, help things take off a bit more.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and uh,
0: plan B after... I'm not a big fan of Kickstarter as such. Either you make your goal or you get nothing for all that work. Um, I tend to go for the uh, the ones where you get something.
1: Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, like Indiegogo.
0: Indiegogo mm-hmm. or GoFundMe have been good to my friends at various times.
1: Right. Well, we're you no, know, we're considering
2: all our options in case uh, the un- the unhappy happens. Uh,
0: uh, well, I'm going to throw some pledges at this because I think right. it's awesome. Also, foxes, heroes, thank you. That's the way it should be, as God intended.
1: <laughs> what other uh, What other games have you worked on that uh, you think the uh, listening audience might know?
2: Uh, let's see. Well, my most recent title that people probably know about that I worked on was uh, uh, Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle-Earth 2. Ooh. In um, this case, was actually unusual in that I was hired to do a prototype in the sense not for that game itself, but to take that game and try to make it run on a console.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, my.
2: Yes. That type, that game's called a real-time strategy game. Uh-huh. And those are difficult to do on consoles because you... Have so many controls you need to, to for a real-time strategy game. So putting it on a console you know, takes a you know, redesign of the user interface.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I worked with uh, the person at Electronic Arts, uh, Lou Castle, to um, do that a prototype on a on a PC but using a, a, a game controller to control it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that prototype was used to do the Xbox 360 version of the game.
1: Wow. Okay, very cool.
2: And then, in addition to that, I also have another title that I republished. So there's another uh, older adventure game that I um, fixed up to run on modern computers, and that's called The Labyrinth of Time.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know you were uh, you were directly involved in a very famous game, which is Harlan Ellison's I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream.
0: <sighs> that was just born to be a, a labyrinth game, has not it? It wasn't it?
1: Yeah, well, that sounds I,
0: awesome.
1: Yeah, can and, I uh, play it, or did it, that ever see No, it was it? a released game. Oh, uh, Dreamers yeah. Guild released it in '94, uh, wasn't it? They,
2: no, no, it was '90. Uh, actually, I'm not sure that '95 or '96. It was the follow up. Uses the same game engine basically as Inherit the Earth did. Well, so I remember
1: I had just gotten to Dreamers Guild, and they had just finished it, and I left uh, Dreamers Guild about 16 months later. Uh, when uh when uh the company went bankrupt. Uh, right. So But everything's better was, now.
2: That was late ninety six. That means it was yeah. probably ninety five.
1: Yeah, ninety i I'm thinking ninety five. Right. And that was through uh that wasn't that one was not published through New World. That was uh That
2: was published through a company called Cyber Dreams.
1: That's right, Cyber Dreams. And they were I they were it? in uh Toluca not Toluca Lake. They were in uh uh, Westwood Village. I want to say Westwood Village. Westlake. West they were in Westlake.
0: Slight difference. Yeah. Like forty miles. Forty <laughs> miles.
2: Yeah. But I should mention that. Uh, Cyber Dreams was a designer for it. We, uh-huh. did, we took their designer implemented it.
1: Right. Yeah, but I I remember that. I remember seeing the cover for that box kicking around the studio. Boy, we had some interesting times.
2: Yeah, that box. Kind of interesting because the uh, the face of um, the computer that's on it is actually the, a mouse pad that is being seen through a hole in the actual
1: box. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So
2: you actually. Got yeah, a mouse I just pad.
1: thought I just thought it was an inset, it, you know, inset graphics in the box. I didn't realize that was actually a mouse pad in there.
0: That's Ooh, yeah. neat. Extra swag, always a plus. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, that's very cool. I didn't realize that.
0: So what? Are your other projects going on at the same time?
2: Oh, right now. What are you doing yeah. now? What oh, are you right doing now I'm basically concentrating entirely on this Kickstarter. Uh-huh. Um, I have non-game, also programming that I'm doing because um, I actually own a second company that publishes business software. Uh.
0: Well, every oh. business needs software. Yeah.
1: You're All right, you're so. allowed to say what it is. I mean, you oh, so it's
2: fine logic. Ah, oh, it, uh-huh. it's a visual planning software.
1: Oh, okay. So it's it's uh, is it for project planning or?
2: It's for process management. Oh, I see. It's actually for many things. We even have screenwriters using it. Um, oh,
0: that, that makes sense, actually.
2: Right. but anything that can be, you know, it's a it's a easy to use diagramming tool where we try to take all the chore of arranging your diagram. We do all that work. So you don't have to like position things. I don't know, we just reposition it for you automatically. And then beyond that we have tools for doing um, um, both uh some project management tools and also some um, uh, confidence tools basically allow you to determine whether your goals are being will be met based upon probabilities that you assign to tasks or maybe you want to avoid something so you want to make sure that it has a zero probability.
1: It sounds like Microsoft Visio except that it actually works.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not going to answer that question.
1: <laughs> I remember Microsoft Visio. It was it was good for some things, but it didn't work. It didn't help you actually manage your projects to the degree that your your software does. Yeah, we're
2: not just based on,
1: ba- just based on the description. Yeah, it's not even a competition. Joe, I'm very glad to have been able to uh, bring you on to the show this evening for episode 69 of the Event Horizon here on Krypton Radio. The project that Joe is working on is Inherit the Earth, Sand and Shadows, um, a sequel adventure game to the original Inherit the Earth game uh, that was published 20 years ago. Um and there is a Kickstarter running right now. Go check it out and contribute if you think it's a worthy project. And we will be doing so ourselves.
0: What's the URL for the Kickstarter? Well, it, see, the Kickstarter is a very
2: complicated URL. So it, the simplest thing is to just have them go to uh, Inherit the
1: Earth Two Okay, that's good. So is it a numeral two? Numeral two, yes. Okay, Inherit the Earth Numeral Two dot com. Yes. And then from there, you'll find the link to the Kickstarter. That's correct. Joe, thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. You have just heard Episode 70 of Krypton Radio's weekly production of The Event Horizon for August 15, 2014, with our guest, Joe Pierce of The Wormkeep Entertainment, a computer game company here in Los Angeles, California. We have been discussing his latest project, Inherit the Earth, Shadow and Sands, now on Kickstarter. Your hosts have been station manager Gene Turnbow and the station's executive producer Susan Fox. This was originally recorded as episode 69 and is broadcast as episode 70, and we did a small switch around. This episode will air again on Sunday, August 16th, 2014, and Thursday, August 21st at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on each day, as well as Sunday, Thursday, and next Saturday at 5 a.m. You'll find this episode and others as downloads at the Krypton Radio website and on iTunes and Stitcher as podcasts. The Event Horizon title sequence was written and produced by Gene Turnbow. The science officer was Mark Schurmeister. The engineer was Christian B. McGuire. The navigator was Christine Cherry. And the captain was legendary science fiction writer Larry Niven. This program and its contents are copyright 2014 by Krypton Media Group Incorporated. The Event Horizon. It's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi.